0: About what you're singing about, you know, uh, we do live in a wicked and a fallen world. Amen? Amen. And uh, and of course, Christ reigns, but yet not in this world. Uh, we call that, uh, theologians call that the already and the not yet. He's, he's reigning in us as individuals, right? But in this world, He's not yet the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As a matter of fact, you know, there's a whole, I'm, I'm already going to chase a rabbit. There's a whole theological group that does not believe in a literal return of Christ and him reigning. On, they believe in a literal return. They don't believe in the thousand year reign, that Christ will reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. A matter of fact, probably less than half of evangelical Christians believe in what we understand as the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming, and the millennial kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have several problems with that because the angel Gabriel when he showed up to Mary who bore the Christ child says that Jesus is going to reign from the throne of David. Can I ask you a question? When Jesus was on this earth did he reign from a throne? No, he was crucified. I have to remember. So in order to fulfill did Gabriel not know what he was talking about? And I would think that Gabriel who was an archangel knew what he was talking about. He was a messenger, the word angelos, angelos, the word messenger. So he knew what he was talking about. So he said that Christ, this child, this, this son of God born to, to the virgin would one day reign from Jerusalem, from the throne of David. Well, that's in the future. That's going to happen after the second coming. I'm sorry you're cold, I really am. But I'm not, so I'm not going to cut it down. But... uh I did touch the thermostat this morning. Most of the time I don't, but I did this morning. Uh, I'm having a hot flash. I'm having a hot flash. Anyway, your Bibles, let's go on. We don't need to get into that. None of your business. Let's go to Revelation <laughs> Revelation 19. But isn't that awesome? So you know, you're, you know this, we're, there's two kingdoms right now doing battle. Uh, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. I remind you what Jesus said in um, John 8. Uh, He's told the Pharisees and the scribes as well as every lost person that's never repented and believed in Jesus, that you have a father as well. Your father's the devil, and the devil is a liar and a murderer. I was asking my class this morning in Sunday school class, and I don't let me unkind I, I, but our biblical worldview, so this is what I asked them. I said I wasn't going to say this to you but I, I I'm there, so I'm going to say it. Based on Revelation, but book of Revelation, but based on our biblical worldview and, and what Jesus said in John eight forty four, or what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, what we just read in Ephesians 2, can you trust this world? No. Because their father is who? And he's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So we know the truth, right? We know Him personally, right? And we know His book, the Word of God. We know the Spirit of truth. So we define our lives by this book, by the leading of the Spirit. But here's the thing, we don't. You don't and I don't, like we should, do we? Don't tell a lie. See, there's a lot at risk here in the old testament when the prophets you know god was going to bring a judgment and the prophets would say for the sake of your name save your people folks we should have such a great pride i'm glad to be an american wonderful praise the lord not as happy now as i was you know 2 or 3 years ago but but i am m- much happier and grateful for being a believer He's the one that saves us from our sins. He's the one that has set us free. It's His kingdom we're living for, and we're aliens in this world. And one of the greatest struggles you and I have is that of being worldly. This world crucified your Jesus. The very one that died for my sins, this world hates His guts. They curse His name. So why would I want to be friends? See, James understood that, the half-brother of Christ. I told you I was chasing a rabbit. This ain't got nothing to do with the revelation. He says, this is um, James 4, James 4, 4. Don't you know? Sounds like he's on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, what Jesus said. Don't you know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? And we have to ask us, do you want to be an enemy of God the Father? So we don't want to be friends of the world. Revelation chapter eighteen. I'm sorry. This, uh, we kind of stopped right here. Uh, we, now remember that we're thinking about the biblical worldview, the world that we are in, and remember this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. the rev, singular, the revelation of Christ. That's what Revelation one one said. I'll tell you what. Not only I tell you what. Go back to Revelation. Hold your finger here. Revelation eighteen. Go to Revelation one. Let's just a review real quickly. I love what, how this reads. You know, we, we can... Revelation 1.1 1, 1 says, it's singular now, the... That's why, you know, when you hear people talk about the book of Revelation, and if you're going to say the book of Revelation, please don't make it plural. You know, don't say the revelations, right? It's the revelation, right? And it's the revelation, not of John. He wrote it. But who gave it? Jesus and it's so the revelation of and, and you have to think now he, here's the creator here's the one that began it in Genesis made all things and we know that it's going to remind us several times the, the pro- proclaiming the gospel during the book the, the people that proclaim the gospel in the book of Revelation always talk about him being the creator so he made it all now he's telling us the end of the story this is the revelation this is the end of the battle the two worldviews. And, and he summarized, well, let me read the verses. Here's, let me look at verse, he says in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, the Father gave the Son, to show to his servant the things that must soon take place. And that word soon, uh, I know you, many of you have heard me use this word before. It's interesting, though, it's the word tachometer in your car if you have a tach. But when, when, the, when, that, when the speed of this starts... The idea is it's not going to be stopped. When it comes, it's coming. You know? And it's been coming for 2,000 years. But, and you have to go back and read. Well, for 2,000 years you're thinking, gosh, he sure does tarry a long time. Well, in the economy of God, a couple of thousand years, he says it's like just a couple of days. That's exactly what the scriptures say. 2,000 years to him... To the Father, to the Son, is like a couple of days if you're looking at it from God's perspective. So He's going to soon, it's going to soon come. Look at verse 3. He says, talking about John, but then it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear, and to keep. What is written in it for the time is near. So there this is the only book in the Bible that tells us there's a blessing from reading it, hearing it, and then doing it. Isn't it awesome? And then another important verse is down in Revelation one. Uh, pick up at verse uh, seventeen. It says Then I, I fell, then I saw him. When I saw him I Revelation one seventeen when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen... Okay. Right, therefore, the things that you have seen. Matter of fact, what he had just seen was the revelation of Jesus Christ. He saw his hair, the glory of him in the midst of the churches. He says, therefore, Jesus, this is Jesus telling John this. Right, therefore, the things that you have seen. You with me? Those that are. That's going to be chapter 2. And the things that are to come. Okay, so. So there's the so the R are the church age because John's ninety years old he's been you know he's been saved the church has been going on for about fifty years so write Let, therefore the things that you have seen those that that are and those that are to take place after this and after this would be ch- the church age because he says uh, after this, look at chapter two verse one then the angel of the church in Ephesus write the words of him who anyway, It says, after this, after what? After the church age. So you go to Revelation, look at Revelation 4.1. So he talks about the church age, chapter 2 and 3. And some people, and there's a good argument about this. We won't get back into it. We're going to come back to the church age at some point. But some people believe it's history. Like if you study the church history, like first century church, second century church, that it mirrors the history, the literal history of the church age. And there are a ton of scholars that believe that, and also they would believe that the church age that we're living in now is the church at Laodicea, which is the last church mentioned, the seventh church. That, that the age that we live in here is the church, the lukewarm church, that Jesus wants to spit out of his mouth. It's interesting. As a matter of fact, I did the Bible study the other morning, uh, Wednesday or Friday morning at some point I did on that. But look at chapter 4, verse 1. So John, so he sees the revelation to the churches and, and it says, After this I looked, and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Now look at the two, the two, word appears t- uh, twice. First words of verse chapter four verse one. After this, the end of the verse it says after this. So there's three segments of time. There's the, the what John experienced, the revelation of Christ. There's the what are the our time is the church age, and then after the church age is going to be John's going to be taken up into heaven, which is a picture of what's going to happen to the church age at some point in time. The church is going to leave this world. Go back to Revelation eighteen. Hold your finger here again and go to Matthew chapter 24, okay? We haven't visited Matthew 24 in a while, so I want to go back. And, and what's important about Matthew chapter 24 is these are, these are the words of Christ. Even though John, Jesus speaks a lot, then he sends an angel to communicate a lot of what John's going to write about. But the disciples asked Jesus, Matthew 24, a personal questioning about the signs of the end of the age. And, and Matthew, now all the synoptics, well, we say all three books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synopsis, synonyms of each other. They're called the synoptic gospels, and you knew that. So what appears in Matthew 24 and 25 also appears in Luke 21 and also Mark 13. But Matthew's is longer. Matthew gives much more thorough of an account of Jesus' answering um, just information about the signs of the end of the age. Okay, so with your Bibles open to Matthew chapter twenty-four, I want to read verse a couple of verses here just to talk about. Look at, look at chapter twenty-four, and look at verse uh, Matthew twenty-four. Let's speak up at verse uh, verse thirty-six. Okay, it says, but concerning. And this is Jesus still. You and again, if I, I'm I'm preaching out of a red letter edition, okay. But let me remind you, a red letter edition can sometimes make you think those words are more important than the rest of the words. The Bible says they're not. This book says the words that are in red are no more important than the books that are in black. But this is Jesus speaking here in Matthew twenty four, okay. But also anywhere else where it's black print, it's still Jesus speaking because it says the word of God that this book is breathed out by God. This, these are God's words just put down by people. Okay, The whole book, this is God's word. And, and so, but verse 37 says, and, but concerning that day, and now that's what they asked him about. I won't go into that, but they asked him a couple of questions and he's been answering that. But of that day... An hour, no one, knows. by the way, before I read this, when Jesus was speaking this, these words are to what group of people, what nation? The Jews, Israel. So that's why the tribulation, I mean, the, the, the rapture is not mentioned, okay, to the Jews. The tribulation is, and the abomination of desolation is. Because they're going to experience that. The, the church is not going to experience the abomination of desolation. So this, especially when you're, because you have to look at it through Jewish eyes. That, that he's talking about what's going to happen to the Jewish people during the tribulation or at the end of the age. And remember he gave the illustration of birth pains. Uh, birth pains, and it's literally birth pains. And. And they're going to be more intense and more frequent. That's exactly. So all the signs Jesus gives, we're not going to read them, but beginning of chapter 24, verse 1, he lists all these signs, but and he says they're birth pains. And and he's just telling us that they're going to be more frequent and they're going to get more intense. So, but they're not, but they're birth pains. It's not the birth of the judgment, it's the birth pains. But it tells us we're in the days of the last age, okay? And he tells you that. That, that people that see these things, that generation is going to experience the tribulation. That's what he says. So the birth pains are going to lead to the judgment. But anyway, so I'm, I'm in verse 30, uh, I said 36. Look at chapter 24, 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. And here's an interesting statement. Nor the Son, but the Father only. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, I will say, theologically, I'm pretty secure in saying that Jesus knows now. This was before the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. He is still the God-man, but he's glorified. No limits. So I, But speaking as the, God, the Son of Man, okay? He's the son of man. He doesn't know when he's then. That's what he says. But I believe he knows now. But let's move on. Now look what he tells us. Are you looking at your Bibles? This, this is extremely important because of what, because of what chapter seventeen and eighteen have been telling us about this mystery Babylon. Okay. And now this isn't Babylon, but you'll go back to the days of Noah. But he says, now look what it says. Now this is Jesus saying this. And this is the same Jesus that's given John the revelation. Okay? For as were the days of Noah. This, To me, this is one of the most interesting parts and this same verse is found in chapter 21 of Luke and Mark 13. This same inference about the days of Noah. Luke not only calls, talks about the... He says not only did Jesus say the days of Noah, he also said the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Interesting. For... For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, uh, I wrote this verse down so I, y'all wouldn't have to look it up and take the time. But if you look up Genesis 6, what was, of course, we could spend a whole lesson talking about what was going on in the days of Noah. We could, okay, right? So in the his why did Jesus, you got, these are stuff you got to think about. What was so different about the days of Noah than, than today? Or any other time in the history of man? Why did God flood the world? What That's not right, evil. Look what Genesis 6, 5 says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. That could be today's newspaper. That, can be, that, could be the, that could be the theme fault of every online. There's wickedness in man's heart all, as we say, all the stinking time, right? Now, of course, we're, our class was talking about this morning, and you know it's true. You may not want to stand up and confess it. But I have an evil heart. You have an evil heart. But this is beyond that. This is a, I mean, I have a wicked heart but I also have a new nature that battles that. This is a wickedness that has no hope, right? It says continually wicked. I'm bad, you're bad, but I'm not continually bad. Amen, right? Been justified by faith, sanctified by grace, so my life is different than it was. So the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great, so, and so that's when he was going to just it was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only were evil continually. And Jesus says, in the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the Son. That's interesting to me. Now, another thing, I'm not going to get into it, but I really want to. We've done it before. Is the days of Noah were marked by something else that's never happened on the face of the earth since then. It was the the Nephilim. Because right before you read chapter 6, verse 5, it says the Nephilim on the earth in those days. And also after that. When the sons of God, which in the Old Testament are angels, came into the daughters of men, and they born unto them Nephilim, or giants. They were half, half fallen angel and half human woman. But they're not human. They're half, and they're giants, and they're monsters. Now the Bible tells us some things about them, some things. If you find, you could have to read other historical books to find out all this, how wicked they were. But if you talk to a Jew, now I'm, I'm just telling you a little bit, we'll move on. If you went to a Jewish person that was alive with Jesus, okay, and you said to them, and you can, this is true in Jewish history. You can read first and second, gen, second, uh, first and second century Jews biblical commentary, and, and if they were describing why are we so wicked, here's what they would say: the fall, right? Adam fell right? The second one, there was three. And they still write this today. First was Adam and we know, and, and we send all of us sinned in Adam. We fell in Adam. He was the first man. Okay. And we're all descendants of him, same as we're descendants of Noah and his sons. So, Adam, the second was what? What was the second? It was Noah and the ark. The reason God flooded the world was because the Nephilim corrupted man and you'd have to study but but there were giants on the earth in those days and so those giants those half demons and half humans or half fallen angels did some wicked things the stuff we read about were the for when god for when god forbids the jews to do certain things a lot of those f- a lot of the things he forbids are what's being taught by the demons, by the fallen angels, the, the Nephilim. That's what they're doing, and that's what they're teaching the world. I won't get into it, but you can imagine. Whether it's uh, drugs, okay? They taught people how to do drugs. Uh, making armaments to kill people. Uh, perversions. So God comes out and says, this, so, you had, so, so a Jew, even today, would say, as Adam... We send all in Adam, then they say Noah. But you know what the third one was? The Tower of Babel. Because 200 years, less than 200 years after the flood, they, man rebels again. And what's so interesting about that re, re, rebellion is God disengages the rest of the world, and, and he marries Abraham and makes a nation for himself. And so he abandons the world and gives them over to the angels. And he marries a nation, and then he sends that nation to tell the world how great he is. They fail. So he sends his son. Isn't it awesome? And it's through the hearing of the gospel of the son. You know, I love James also says this, that (laughs) what saves us, this is great. This is great. He says it's, what time is it? Is it really 11.22? Is it really? I'm so sorry for you. (laughs) Oh, Lord. This isn't even my introduction. I'm not even on that page yet. He says, so in in James it says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So hearing and believing the gospels, what brings salvation? That's, and so, but anybody now can hear and believe, right? Faith cometh by hearing and, I mean, it's God's call, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Anybody, anywhere, and God is saving people all over the world, all the time, been doing it for 2,000 years, only because Christ came into the world. And remember, that's what Jesus meant when he said, if I go away, it's going to be better, because my spirit, me, it's going to be like me, but it's going to be a spirit and he's going to be everywhere. And that means everywhere everybody goes, he can empower the gospel and folks can be saved everywhere. It's just awesome. So that's the worldview we're in. So when we come to Revelation... I'm sorry, when we come to Revelation 18, as I close, okay? we Go to Revelation 18. I tell you what, let's do. Let me read the first few verses and I want to share with you three things and then we'll close. I'll just I want to cover something I've had in my notes for three or four weeks and we'll get there. Um, let's go back. Now, now, chapter 17 was religious Babylon, okay? Remember? The great prostitute, okay? that rode the beast. Now let me tell you what's significant about that. So when <clears throat> I don't want you to get confused, but the tri- the tribulation happens and it begins when a one world ruler and when you say that we we're not going to be here when this happens, but as you know right now you could see some financial crisis coming along with another medical crisis and then all of a sudden several nations getting together and those nations saying, hey, we need one leader to help us get these nations together and help the world bring peace and save them from this calamity, which is probably a man-made calamity. But let's just say, so as you ha- now you have a one-world ruler. That one-world ruler goes in because Israel's always been... The, the one little slip of land in the whole world that everybody wants to dominate. And so, so he'll make a peace treaty with Israel to make sure that they'll know that all these nations, even this ten-nation conglomerate that's come together, they're not going to attack you. So he'll make a peace covenant with them. That begins the tribulation. So we know the signing of this peace agreement, this peace accord, if you want to use some things of the past, is what start, that starts the tribulation. So from there to the seven more years or seven years of tribulation, when you're reading when you're reading uh, Revelation 17 and you see this mystery Babylon this 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 religious this religious prostitute, okay, that's what it says. That this this fake religion that this so religion is going to be fine after the rapture, but it's going to be a prostitute, right? Giving away false messages for false rewards, whatever you want to say. More than likely, that's going to be happening during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Okay? Mystery Babylon, the, the prostitute part, the religion, is going to be in the first three and a half years. It's right in the middle where the, where the abomination of desolation takes place. So right in the middle of the tribulation, this, this Antichrist, he's a fake Christ, a fake Prince of Peace. He goes back to Israel. He just got through killing the two great witnesses. Okay? so what it says. The two great witnesses God sends because people are gonna be hearing the gospel, even though there's gonna be a big lie of religion. So He kills them and overcomes them. They're dead, and, and so everybody's celebrating. Remember, they send presents to each other because these two witnesses have been talking about Jesus for three and a half years, and they couldn't stand it. Sound like familiar today? Okay. So they were glad they were dead. Sound familiar to you today? Okay. Anyway, we'll move on. I can't get political, but so you have these Christians. So you have they. So they're celebrating. So at. At the middle of tribulation, the Antichrist goes back into the temple and he rejects, he tears the covenant up he made with Israel. So now they've become the focus of, of man's wrath because they hate him. Now, another reason they're going to hate him is who else is on this earth talking about Jesus? 144,000 Jewish witnesses. They hate the gospel, they hate the name of Jesus. And now the only group of people on the earth, other than some angels that are going to fly through heaven, are 141,000 Jewish witnesses that God has saved and are sending all over the world. They're going to hate Israel. And it's that, it's that hatred for everything that the Antichrist, the beast now, what is also called more the beast, is going to now is going to dominate the false religion that, that flowed along for three and a half years. But after three and a half years, that Antichrist doesn't need a fake religion. He's now in control of everything. So it says, you'll see it, you know, he overcomes the false religion. So now, when you get to chapter 18, now he's going to, now the book of Revelations is describing a mystery Babylon, a political place, not a religious place, but a political place. Um, and this is where sometimes, you know, we, is there going to be a, a specific city that represents Bab- the Babylon? By the way, uh, the word Babylon means the gate to the gods, okay? Um, so Babylon, of course, ba- ba- Babel means confusion. But Babylon means, in Hebrew, the gate to the gods, okay? And why would they say that? Because they built a tower. What were they trying to reach? They wanted to, not the God of heaven, but they were trying to find their own gods, okay? So, it, so think about the world. So, he, so the, the, this new Babylon, okay, the mystery Babylon we're reading about now, it's, a fake, it's still a fake belief. So let me read these verses and I'm going to give you uh, three things to think about. We'll, we'll it. It said, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven um, having great authority and the earth was made bright with his glory and he called out with a mighty voice, By the way, the word mighty, you know, sometimes I've told, I've given you those two Greek words. Mega, remember? Megaphone. It's Greek words. Megosphone is in the original language. That's how you pronounce it. Megosphone. This isn't megos. This Greek word is talking about like political, judicial power to say what he's going to say. So it's more than just the volume of what he's saying. It's, it's, the, it's the depth of what's being said. This, and it's, this isn't Jesus, but there's some angel that God has sent with an incredible message. And this message is going to tell you the judgment that's going to fall upon this false system of materialism, politics. This is God's final judgment, the revelation. Where is all... Where is all the false religions going to end? You can read Revelation 17 to find that out. Where are all the false desires and pursuits of worldliness? Where is it going to end? We're fixing to read where it's going to end. Because it's the culmination of where we are now. The the history is leading. This This is where we're headed. And we are part of the Babylon now. Just God hasn't come to bring judgment and it hasn't all got together now with one leader. But it says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven. With great authority and, and 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 the earth was made bright. I love that; just an amazing thing with his glory. Because remember now, I keep chasing. I am so sorry. Why would he say he's made bright? Why would this? Why would the revelation? Why would the revelation? The angel say to John, and here it's an angel telling him. Why would he mention he, this angel bought brightness? Because some of the judgments have done what? Blocked out the sun, blocked out the moon. I mean, a third of the sun's not shining, right? It says, and a third of the sun did not give its light. So it's dark almost all the time. So all of a sudden now you see this great angel with this great... So it's interesting to me that in the writing, John sees how bright it is. Okay. Anyway. So, so this is what the angel says. And this word fallen is incredible. We, we, we read this like fallen, fallen. My, and the idea is, you know, fallen from a high standing to be pushed down, to be crushed under something... Um, even it's the idea of the way we feel about the Lord that we fall before Him in worship. So, so this, this group of people or this Babylon has, who's exalted himself. Now think you're, you're, you're coming to the end of the tribulation, okay? And this world system has exalted itself. It's ruling everybody. Plus it's killing martyrs and it gets excited when it gets to kill Christians. So you have this whole system that's out of control... So fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. Remember what I talked about that last judgment? They poured the bowl out in the air. That's what I really believe. A haunt for every unclean spirit. A haunt for every unclean bird. A haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. Now, I think genetics have something to do with that last statement. That... The Bible mentions beasts several times in the Revelation. And I'm a little bit squirrely on that. I don't think you're talking about just a normal lion that's out of control. I think just as you call the Antichrist the great beast, I think these are demonic entities that are something that's never been before back on this earth. Let's move on. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Now, again, people talk about this Babylon, this fall now, that could it be the city of Babylon rebuilt? See, so you're talking about the merchants of the world. The merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. See, so you're talking about material and political system, okay? Not religious. That's already been done. That's chapter 6, 17. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. Do Folks... You understand the book of Revelation more the more you understand the Old Testament. But let me just give you another illustration. If my wife's watching this, she's in the nursery, I need to apologize to her because I'm going to be late and whoever else is helping her. Sorry, honey. Uh, do you remember in the Old Testament the Jews were held in captivity by the Babylonians? Do you remember that? So, so Babel Bible ruled the Jews in the Old Testament. And when God God allowed it to happen because they had violated, it's incredible what happened, they, the Jews violated God's word. They did it for 490 years because they wouldn't let the land rest every 70th year. They did it seven times in a row. Sabbatical years, every 70th year, after the 69th year, the 70th year, you let the land lay fallow. You didn't use, you didn't use the land. They violated that seven, so so he judged them for seventy years. Right? I'm sorry, I got my math. They did it every seven years. They did it seventy times. It doesn't take me long to catch on. Seventy plus times seven is four ninety. Anyway, so that's why they're in judgment, and they go into judgment the Babylonians. But it doesn't last forever. Uh, Watch his name gets drunk. Remember Belshazzar throws the party, and that's where the hand shows up on the wall. Mene, Mene. But right after that, he dies, but the Persians are coming in, they're, they're coming under the wall. at the time they're coming under the, 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 the river that flew th- that, the, that, the river that went through Babylon, they're coming through there, and by the time they're through with the party, the Persians, the Medes and the Persians have conquered Babylon. I've got to say this. And then, the, the king of Persia. Is led by the Spirit of God to let the Jews go back. They can go back. But guess what? They didn't. Out of all the hundreds of thousands of Jewish people that were held captive, over 70 years of all the Jews, life continues, people being born, less than 50,000 people went back. So then they didn't come out. So they, see, So now... Come out from him, my people. So this is not coming to, to the church. The church has been gone for seven years. This is talking primarily to the Jews, but also to anybody that's saved. Come out of these people. You don't need to be near these people. And primarily because they're wicked sinners, And but God's fixing the poorest judgment, his judgment out on them. Now, I, I could go on, but let's... By the way, it's Mystery Babylon, so I don't know exactly where it's going to happen. This city, this this representative city, I don't know where it is. Could be New York, could be Rome... Could be Babylon, I don't know. Four things I have in my notes here that's important to me. Those days are days full of deception. Did you know that, and it starts now, Jesus said in chapter 24, you don't have to read it, in Matthew 24, three times, he says, do not be deceived. Do not be. So deception in the last days are huge. Right now, I want you to know, I believe we're in the last of the last days. I I, I see... I see it happening in my lifetime. I see, I see me, I may be raptured. I am 61. I may, before I die, Jesus raps the church. But the days, the, the, one of the birth pains of the last days is deception. Jesus said so. Decept. And remember even, G, Paul mentions to Timothy that in the last days, that, that the church would be, people in the church would be surrendering themselves to doctrines of demons and teachings of devils. There's deception everywhere. There's liars everywhere. So there's deception. Number two, the world's defiant. When you read chapter 18, chapter 17, and you can go back to chapter 14, wicked man is defiant. Can you think of a group of people in the Old Testament that stuck there ten times He's, this person? And this nation stuck their fist in the face of God and said, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. His name was Pharaoh, remember? And God rendered judgment on... they, and Because one of the worst things the Bible says about a nation or a people group, they do not fear God. This world is defiant, right? So there's deception, there's defiance. And the last one's obvious. I'll give you the third one. This world is demonic, and I've mentioned this. I believe more than anything else the veil between the wickedness, the spirit that restrains evil and restrains demonic world that we can't see but it's there. According to uh, Ephesians 6, we don't war with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers, world rulers. We can't see them, but they're there. I think that veil is getting thinner and thinner, but we're the the spiritual battle is one is strong with demons. We're in a, a very spiritually demonic, evil, satanic world. These are the three things that are part of the birth pains of the last days. Folks, we are there. Samson was called by God to be a champion. He was a judge. You can read this in the book of Judges. But he had a wife he married who was an infidel. Remember what her name was? Everybody knows that, Delilah. She nagged him for months about how was he so strong. How are you so strong? Because he was always whipping up on the Philistines. I like it when he took the bone of a a donkey and he killed like, I mean he killed hundreds of people with a donkey's hip bone or something. It's crazy. He tied a bunch of foxes together and sent them through their fields and the, the foxes' tails were on fire and it burned their fields. He didn't he tore the city gate, he pulled the city gate out of the ground and moved it. He did incredible things. But Delilah would again think about this, I know him well. She got him in his lap. She laid him in his lap and stroked his long hair. And, oh, if you love me, you would tell me the truth. And finally he does. And it says he was, I love this, he was vexed at her nagging. So <laughs> that did not happen at my house, but it happened to the same <laughs> time. He was vexed. I like that word. It's, ESV said he was vexed at her nagging. So he finally tells her, no razor's been on my hair. So she goes, she rocks him to sleep. The Bible says the world's in the lap of the devil, 1 John 5, 19. She rocks him to sleep. They cut his hair. And then she says what she said about six other times. Samson, the Philistines are among you. And Samson jumps up, and for the first time, his hair's gone, but he doesn't know it. And it says the, the power of God had left him, and he didn't even know it. Folks, I think that's where you and I are sometimes. The power, if this world's so bad, and it is, the power of God ought to be manifesting through us a life of righteousness, a life of obedience. Totally, our life should be totally different than the rest of the world, right? I think we've been vexed by the world, and we've just given up. And many of us, the power of God has gone somewhere else, we, and we don't even care. Well, folks, we better care because it's coming to an end and it's coming soon. Amen? Amen. Come on. I know this is unusual to do an invitation like this. This is the invitation. Y'all come on. Heather, you or Jonathan want to come share about his decision. Come on, buddy. Callan is the oldest, right? I get it. Okay, both C's. By the way, we're baptizing next Sunday. I meant to say that a while ago. We have four or five candidates, but... but, uh, Heather, you want to share? Oh wait, how old are you, Cowan? Seven. You're seven. Good. I'm sixty one, but that's really none of your business. I want you to turn around and look at these people, this sweet couple, who y'all want to tell what what tell me go ahead.
1: about it, and then um, he talked to Diane, and the Diane said that he understands and that he was good, and um, so we at, we've been asking him, was like, do you want to go down front? And for a while, he was like, I'm not sure. I think I need to think about it more, and I'm like, okay, you think about it? I don't want to push you. This is your decision and probably the most important decision you'll ever make, and um, then lately, though, he's like, Mama, I'm ready to go down front. Let's, can I go <laughs> down front now? Mama, can to get him for him? And due to, you know, quarantines and stuff have been missing and stuff. But finally, he was like, "Can I go?" And we were like, "We're going to do it." So <laughs> he is super excited there.
0: Now, did he? Is this been in children's church or was this at home? Um, he was going to children's church. And I think that prompted all. The okay, Christians all right. You know, we had this, and we did and two months ago, or whenever the other children came forward. We had this huge, and that's what happens. You have these huge cycles of kids coming to faith, you know, within the same. And I thought that was true for him as well. But Callan is saying, and again, I hate to put words in his mouth, and we're going to deal, Diane's meeting with him again on Wednesday night, and then we're going to have a class for him next month to go back over all this. But we'll be baptizing Callan along with about four other candidates. But if you rejoice in in Callan's decision, you signify that by saying praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Folks, I'm gonna pray, and then you need to come by and give these folks the right hand of fellowship. We don't have my chairman's not here, but let me. Who's his Sunday school teacher? Anybody? Or, so. Well, just come on. I, I don't. I want somebody to stand with him, okay? And um, let's let John Huggins be your deacon. How about that, John? You like the way I did that? I wasn't even looking at you. Okay, like hold on, John. You step into somebody. See, thank you. I should have asked that first. Sam, the fact that you know that's impressive. Uh, Yeah, good. Um, Well, Heather and Jonathan, is the uh, call your okay? All right, thank you. Anyway, so before when I pray, I want you to come out and give them the right hand of fellowship, okay? And then while you're doing that, somebody run over and tell Diane that I'm really sorry, okay? okay? Let's pray. This is why we're here, Lord. For, as Malachi says, why why did God give a man and a woman the ability to have offspring? And then the Lord says, so that we would produce godly children. Lord, that's the call of Christian parents is to raise godly offspring and the church is here to help them do that. Father, thank you for this this childlike faith. Thank you for this confession. Father, thank you for the church that has supported. Thank you for mom and dad, for Heather and Jonathan, for raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, may this be the beginning of many other decisions in the days to come. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.